Good morning, Inspire. How's everybody doing? Good. Hope you'll forgive me. I'm going to have to jump right into the word because I'm running out of time, but that's okay. I always make the adjustment when worship is powerful. Amen. I, I love the presence of God. When the presence of God is here, you know, that's the most important thing. So I'll make the adjustment on my end, but I got to preach fast. Is that okay? Turn with me in your Bibles to the book of Ephesians chapter 5. I'm going to be in verse, starting in verse 22. But before we read, I just want to greet everyone. It's so good to see everyone, everyone watching online. I, I did this in early, early service because I'm not sure which service she's watching. But Chris, uh, who plays bass, was telling me the other day his mom watches every week from Santa Fe, New Mexico. So special shout out to Chris's mom and all of you who are watching from all over the United States, all over the world. All over Texas, God bless you. We're so honored that, that, that you would join us. Amen. As you guys know, we've been in a new series called Your Home. Someone say, Your Home, Your Castle. One more time. Your Home, Your Castle. <clears throat> and today I'm going to be speaking, uh, continuing that series. And today I'm speaking to you from the subject, Marriage Matters. I'm, I'm going to be showing us from the scriptures how, just how sacred and important marriage is to God. But not only are we going to talk about how marriage matters, right, to God, we're going to talk about matters concerning marriage. Amen? And uh, I'm going to read the text, and then I, I, I want to open this up, but i got to do the, i got to preach fast today. So let's start in verse 22. If you're there, say there. Well, I guess we're all there because they put it on the screen, right? They make it easy for us. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. You can already feel the, the tension in the room right away. It's okay. Smile at me. How many love the whole word of God? The, the whole counsel of God. It's all right. It's going to be good. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord, for the husband is the head of the wife, as also Christ is the head of the church, and he is the Savior of the body. Therefore, just as the church is subject to Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. Verse 25. Husbands, love your wives, just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her. That he may sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of the water by the word. That he may present her to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing. But that she would be holy and without blemish. So husbands ought to love their own wives. Listen to this. As their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it just as the Lord does the church. For we are members of his body, of his flesh and of his bones. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife and the two shall become one flesh. This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. Nevertheless, let each of you, let each of each one of you in particular so love his own wife as himself and let the wife see that she respects her husband. And everybody said amen. amen. Just very quickly, um, 
we are, we are talking about marriage in, in, today, and even in this series, we're, we're talking about family matters. And I understand that in this, sub, in this uh, series, we have to hit some heavy stuff. Amen? And I just want to set the tone right up front. We're going to be talking about marriage. And I just want everyone to know in this room that, that there is grace. Amen? So in a second here, I'm going to give you some st- statistics on divorce and stuff like that. But I, I want to preface it with this. If you have walked through divorce, there's grace. If you're going through it now, there's grace, right? Let me say this. There are biblical grounds for divorce. There is biblical precedent for divorce in certain settings and circumstances. But even if you've gone through divorce, you've been remarried, or whatever the circumstance is, aren't you so thankful that God um, is so loving and kind? Having said that, how many know that we still have to teach the word of God? Because it's not just about our individual circumstances. It's about preserving this holy and sacred sacrament. This, this, this union that God has established from ancient times. Amen. And it is not just for us. It's for future generations. So we're not only fighting for our marriages. We're fighting uh, to hold a line and hold the standard for our children. Are you with me this morning? And so I'm thankful that God can, can help us get through things. And those of us who've been through things, I'm so thankful that God is so loving and kind. But li- I want you to listen to this. As it currently stands uh, in America in general, one out of two marriages are going to end in divorce. That's staggering. 67% of second marriages end in divorce. 74% of third, of third marriages end in divorce. Now, the good news is <laughs> these are statistics concerning the general population. Within the church, the church's numbers are a little better. I was pleased to see that. I, I was, you know, I was, you got to celebrate every little victory, right? And for, inside the church, the Christians typically stay married more than the general population. But in my opinion, the divorce rate is still Way too high in the church. And there's all different reasons for that. I don't want to approach a, such an issue of magnitude with such a limited perspective. But I will say this. Um, part of the reason I believe marriages within the church are facing such turmoil is that we have got to go back to being in more influenced by the word of God than by what culture says concerning relationships and concerning covenant. Now, what's interesting is when you look at the hard numbers, divorces overall are actually decreasing. And at first you're like, well, yay, right? Well, that's because now we're at a point where people are choosing just not to get married. They're just choosing to cohabitate, live together. And you see, that might sound like good news to those who have bought into this lie of, you know, sexual freedom and relationships without commitment and relationships without covenant. But listen, the end result of this, right? Let's be honest, like as the scripture says, right? Sin is pleasurable for a moment. But you're always, 
going to reap the consequences. And so, for example, we are now seeing the fruit of the sexual revolution of the 60s and 70s. Where for the first time in our history, the sacred institution of marriage was questioned. And people said, well, do we need marriage? Do we need covenant? And it may, it may have been fun for a little while, but look at where we're at now. Are you with me this morning? Because the end result is this. As the nuclear family breaks down, society breaks down. A few weeks ago, when I was preaching on this subject, I gave you a lot of hard statistics. I'm not going to do that. But the numbers don't lie. We are seeing the ramifications uh, of, of single parent homes and, and, di- and different things like that. We are seeing um, what it looks like to have a fatherless crisis in America. It, isn't it appalling that we in America, the richest nation in the history of the world, have a fatherless crisis right now in this nation? But you can trace this back over decades and decades and decades of secularism and different things. And you have family patterns that repeats itself. And then to where you, you get to, a, by, the, by the time you get to the present time and people are just not getting married anymore. And they're cohabitating and they're jumping out of this relationship and hopping into this one. And then the kids have this person coming in and out of their life. And you see what I'm trying to say? And there's this, this breakdown. And it has its way of filtering its way into every form of society. Amen? But in in the book of Ephesians, Paul shows us that not only is marriage holy and sacred, he actually points to how big it is. It's bigger than just, how many know that your marriage, it's important to you and it is, but it's even bigger than you. And it's bigger than your spouse. It's a representation of Christ's relationship with his church. And you know what's so sad is that sometimes we think we're smarter than God. And so years ago, as our culture began to buy more and more into this secular lie concerning sex, relationships, marriage, all these different things. People thought, well, I don't need covenant. I don't need marriage. I'm, you know, this is what real freedom looks like. And ironically, you actually end up more bound. And you realize just how wise God is, is that when God gave us the gift of marriage, he knew exactly what we were doing because marriage is such a treasure. It's such a blessing, not only because... It meets some of our needs, but actually more than that, it actually forms the character of Christ in us. And, you know, God knows what he's doing. You know, as obviously as, as a young pastor, I work with a lot of millennials and Gen Z, and I have to have very hard conversations because they're some of the most unchurched generations. In fact, Gen Z is the most unchurched generation in the history of the world. And I've had this conversation with a lot of uh, young people, you know, in church and outside of church, like about the instructions that are in the Bible, like, like Ephesians 5. And, you know, one of the things that, that, that you hear is people will say, well, you know, that's just why I, I can't do Christianity because it's full of so many rules. How many of you ever heard that? Now, obviously, if you come from a legalistic church or a legalistic denomination, I will grant you that I understand where you're coming from. Outside of that, I don't buy it. That's a cop-out. 
Because I'll never forget, I asked somebody one time, okay, I was like, okay, I'll bite. Which rule are you talking about? Let's go to the Ten Commandments. Thou shalt not murder. You don't think that's a good commandment? Thou shalt not steal. Do you believe in property laws? I said, let's actually go through the commandments and you will see there's wisdom in every commandment. Because not only does the commandment honor and protect and preserve your relationship with God, it preserves your relationship with one another. How many of you know that God is not just up in heaven just being like, I just want to make some rules. No, he gives instructions for our benefit. And so when God gives instructions concerning marriage, he's way smarter than us. He knows what we need more than we do. And he knows, listen, if you'll listen to what I command. And by the way, anything that he commands, he gives grace to do. He's... He's smarter than us. Amen. And so when we approach marriage, I say all of that to say this, when we approach marriage, how many, of you know, our first point of reference is not Cosmo magazine or Vogue magazine or MTV or I don't, I don't care what they say. I mean, obviously you can find some, there are some good relationship advice out there, but How many know the foundations of how we view relationships, the foundations of how we view marriage, the the foundation of how we view this thing that is so sacred? How many know that this is our foundation? And so I might be able to find some good tips out there as things that will help improve. But at the end of the day, I have to be formed by my by this. So to be quite honest with you, I, I, I don't care what culture thinks about marriage. Marriage did not originate with a culture. It did not originate even with the government. Marriage originated with God. Are you with me? Some, are you with me? I know that today, obviously government recognizes marriage, but how many know that it didn't marriage did not begin in America. It did not begin in any specific culture. It began in the book of Genesis. When God, after God created Adam and he he said, it is not good that man should be alone, right? And so he put him to sleep and out of his rib fashioned a woman. Amen. Are you with me this morning? And so we're going to start here in the first instructions in the book of Ephesians. Go back to verse 22 with me. And so we're going to, we're going to tackle this, but listen, what, what we often do is we take cultural positions and we read it into the scriptures. Today, I want us to read the scriptures and push aside some of the cultural views and pressures, all right? Because in 2022, when you read, wives submit to your own husbands, you get major pushback on that today. Even from Christians. Come on, you got to smile at me today. Because here's what you'll hear. Man, that is so outdated, bro. That is misogynistic. Don't you know that women are equal? No one's going to dominate me. Do you see how already we're reading cultural stances into the scriptures? The scriptures are not saying anything about the value of women. 
meaning it's not questioning the value of women. It is specific to marriage. No, catch what I'm saying. People will say, well, don't you know we have women prime ministers today? You don't have to submit to your husband. What does your occupation have to do with marriage? You see what I'm saying? We read cultural issues. See, I'm so glad today we live in a society where women are empowered and are being more empowered to do anything that they want to do in terms of occupation and pursuits. How many of you are thankful for that? I believe we'll be the generation that sees the first woman president. I'm raising two girls. No one believes in women more than me. I'm going to tell my daughters, if you want to be president, go for it. If you want to be a CEO, go for it. But that is put aside that Paul, Paul is not talking about occupation. He's not talking about what women can and cannot do. Women are capable of extraordinary things just like men. But let's not read cultural lenses into the scriptures. Because you can be a you can be a female president, a female prime minister, a female CEO and still submit to your husband at home. Come on, somebody. I'm just getting started. Are you with me? See, we're reading. And, and what's interesting is this. Okay. You to understand this verse, you have to actually read the verse before it. Paul, the verse before it in verse 21, it, say, it says this, giving thanks always for all things to God, the father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Listen to this, submitting to one another in the fear of God. So let me, let me establish something. First of all, we're all submitted to somebody. I think I just, it's, it's that word submit. When we hear that word submit, it kind of makes us kind of cringe, right? Like, because in, a, in, a, in, a, in, a, in this day and age, in a modern age where autonomy and in, in the individual is supreme, this kind of stuff is kind of like an assault. But we have to understand the scriptures is more concerned with what God is doing in the church, the, the, the body of Christ. He's not, you understand what I'm trying to say? God cares about the individual, but he's, he's working with the people of God. Are you with me today? It's, see, everything in the kingdom is bigger than us. We're important and we're a part of it, but it's bigger than us. And Paul is saying to the church, listen, you're to submit to one another in the fear of God. What is he saying? Remember in Romans when he writes that letter, he said, listen, love one another, prefer one another, serve one another. Right? Hebrews talks about how God places people in uh, spiritual authority in our lives, right? How many of you are thankful that we have an amazing pastor? Who, Bishop, that I'm submitted under, right? See, we all submit. Submission is a blessing because although there are people that can abuse authority or abuse a power, when you have a, when you are submitted to godly people or godly leaders or godly believers, there's actually a benefit and a blessing that comes to your life. But I'll say this, I'm going to be straight up with you today. I do not trust people who are not submitted. If you come to me and you're not submitted anywhere to any, any body of believers, you're not in covenant with anyone, you don't have no submission anywhere in your life, I don't trust you. Because what I'm seeing is that submit, you think submission is beneath you. So any type of leadership is far beyond you. Oh, 
Some of y'all are quiet on me today. We're all submitted. When, when we walk into a courtroom, it don't matter if we like that judge or not. You are submitted to that judge's authority. When the cop pulls you over and asks to see your driver's license, he is carrying an authority. And whether I like him or not, I have to submit. See, we submit all the time and we're not even aware of it, but we submit at different levels all over the place. But Paul is here talking about the the context of marriage. But remember, right above this, he says in the church, we're actually submitted to one another. So say this with me. Everybody submits. Amen. So the word, the actual word submission, I want, I want you to see this. It speaks of rank, right? So it can be used in terms of mil, a military term. So literally rank, right? But it also speaks of yielding, deferring, preferring. But here's, here's where I think the word, what it is actually meaning. Obviously, I believe that the husband, God has given him a rank. So, so this is actually speaking of divine order. So in the home, in the home. The husband occupies a place of leadership that God put him in. Amen? So yes, there's a certain rank. There's a certain divine order there. But beyond just that, the word that I think actually encapsulates what it really means to submit is is the word respect and honor. When you can respect the position or the authority and you can honor what that person carries. Are you with me this morning? That's why actually if you go to verse 33. How Paul ends the verse of the chapter. He says husbands love your wives. But then he says and let every wife respect her husband. So at the top he says submit. And at the bottom he says respect. Because really what I think he's getting to is this. Can you honor the rank. The authority that the man has in the home. And can you respect it? It doesn't mean he's better than you. It doesn't mean he's more valuable than you. It just means this. God has crowned him with a certain level of leadership in the home. Can can I preach? We have got to stop letting culture interject into a narrative that they don't have the authority to. This has nothing to do with occupation. This has nothing to do with capability. As a matter of fact, there are women who have powerful ministries. And you've never even heard of their husbands. No, think about what I'm saying. I heard Joyce Meyer say this one time. Joyce Meyer travels all over the world. She preaches and teaches the word of God. She fills up stadiums. You know, I heard her say this one time. She said in her early days of ministry, she said her ministry was struggling to grow. And she said, Lord, I want my ministry to grow. And she said, I was interceding. I was naming it, claiming it. She goes, I was doing all kind of spiritual warfare. She had all the intercessors praying. And the Lord spoke to her and said, your ministry will grow the day you submit to your husband. And she, she admitted she had a hard time submitting because of abusive men in her past. But the Lord said, submit to your husband. The, the minute she submitted to her husband and out of obedience, her ministry began to take off. Here's my point. We all know, know Joyce Meyer's name. We don't even know her husband's name. Do you see what I'm saying? Ladies, submitting to your husband doesn't mean you're weak. It means you're strong. Because it means you're so confident in who you are. Listen, that you can honor your husband's role in the home. 
This scripture has nothing to do with your occupation, your ability or what. Sometimes the woman is more of a powerhouse. In terms of actual whatever they're doing, right? And so, ladies, I I know and I know I'm a man, but. (laughs) I truly believe this is the heart of this context. Oh, trust me, guys, I'm about to get to guys in just a second. You just wait. I'm coming for us this morning. But the, the, the submission is actually meant to be a blessing. And let me say this. Submission does not mean the husband dominates. It does not mean he overlords. It does not mean he oppresses or abuses. It means he occupies a place of leadership and authority within the home. Someone say amen. And, and ladies, let me let you in on a little secret. And I got to hurry. Paul ends that section with let wives respect their husbands. Can I let you in on a secret? Your husband craves your respect. Listen. As, I, as, as I've been married now for years and as I read this scripture. No one's opinion and voice is more important to me than my wife. When, no, seriously. When my wife has my back, I walk out of the home like, dude, I can take the world. Because here's why. If she has my back, it doesn't matter who's against me. That's how I feel sometimes. Because my wife's voice is so influential in my life. Having her respect means more to me than having anyone else's respect. And I want to tell you something, ladies. If you want your man to rise to the level of leadership, and, and reach his full potential in God. Start speaking to the person he's called to be. Give him, listen to me, respect him even before he fully deserves it. Oh, I'm preaching right now. Even before he fully measures up. If you want him to act like a king, speak to the king inside of him. Trust me, when you start talking to him different, there's going to be something that comes alive in him that says, oh my, because he may not admit it. I don't care how macho he is. I don't care how strong he is. He wants you to look at him and think that you respect him. When they did a survey of what men want the most in relationships, you would have thought sex would be number one. It was almost, it was number two. But the number one thing a man wants is respect. And when your husband, I mean, when your wife feels, I mean, yes, when your husband feels like you respect, something changes on the inside of him. Speak to that. Speak to his assignment. Speak to his calling. Speak to his, what God has positioned him to and watch him grow into it. Amen. But listen. And I'm running out of time. I got to hurry. I only got a few minutes left. Are you with me this morning? If you don't believe, if you don't think women are influential with their husbands, go back to the garden of Eden. Remember it was Eve who convinced Adam to eat the fruit. No, I'm being serious for a second. God said, don't eat the fruit. He's like, Hey, and he's like, man, my, my, what I'm saying is women have more power and authority with their voice than they realize with their husband. I'm being serious. That's a, that, that may not be the best example, but I'm telling you. Hold on. I'll prove it to you. See, the enemy knows how influential a, a woman's voice is in a man's life. That's why when there's a Samson, the enemy sends a Delilah. 
Because that's a, that's a negative example. It also works for the positive. Oh, my God. Behind every great man, there's always a great woman and an even better woman than that man. All right. Now, fellas, let me preach to you. Now, we love verse 22 because it says, wives, submit to your husbands. We love that. But let me tell you something. We got it harder. Because he says in verse 25, husbands, love your wives like Christ loved the church. Oh, my goodness. Let me read it to you because you're husbands love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her. I'm going to be honest with you. I wouldn't mind switching. Let me just be straight with you. Because this almost seems impossible. Can I just only like submit or something like, can I just like, Hey, you take, no, he, he tells husbands, listen, don't get all excited. Oh, girl, you got to submit. No, he said, you've got to love your wife as Christ loved the church. How much did Christ love the church? It says he gave himself, laid down his life. So are you starting to see a picture? It's, it's the husband. Oh my God. Please remember this. The more authority you have in the kingdom, the more that whatever position or calling that is, the greater the level of service. That's why when people hand me a business card and they say they're an apostle, I'm like, are you sure you understand what you're saying? I'm not going to go there. The higher you go in the kingdom in terms of position or an assignment, the more you're actually called to serve. The son of God came and said, I'm among you as one who serves. So sometimes guys, we get excited. Like, yeah, you girl, you got to submit. No, 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 no. That means that, you know what that means? That means that you got to be like Christ and, and love and go low and love your wife. So do you see the picture? The husband is laying down his life and saying, girl, you're the most important thing in this world to me. I will give my life for you. And the wife says, you know what? I, because I love and respect you, I'm going to honor your, your role of leading this family. Come on, someone stick with me. He says, you have to love her as Christ loved his church. And that, that is a sacrificial love. Because, and and husbands, can I charge you and admonish you this morning? Can I do that as as we close? Your wife is, is a gift from God to you. To treasure. To love. Not to lord over, abuse, mistreat. But to serve and love her. Amen? Yes, God has called her to submit to your, to your leadership in the home, but he's called you to sacrifice for her. Amen? And look, you will never understand her. Because, number one, you were asleep when God created her. All right? But...
But there's been times when I've read this commandment, husbands love Christ, is, uh, love your wife as Christ loves the church. I'm like, wow, how do I do that? Like, that's literally, literally it's impossible. And it, it is in the natural and by yourself, it's impossible. You can only do this with the grace of God. Because whatever God instructs you to do, he gives you the grace to fulfill. Here's the key. And I'm closing. If I could have the worship team come. None of this works. You don't actually start there. See, none of this works. The submitting or the loving as Christ loved the church. Neither one of these works unless you're, unless you're both submitted to God. The, hold on. This is where it starts. Individually, we have to be submitted to God. And let me say this. Part of the problem in our marriages is we're expecting our spouse to be God. That person, that spouse, they'll never be God for you. You're wanting, some of us want our spouse to fulfill desires in us that are only found at the right hand of the Father. That's why we have to be submitted to God first. Because without that... If we try to do this without that, things are not going to work this way. We have to both be submitted to God before we're submitted to each other. Because the scripture says a threefold threefold cord is not easily broken. The cord you need in your marriage is not just between you and her. It's between God, you and her, and back to him. There, There needs to be a wraparound here where there's a submission to God. And I will say this. I don't want to offend you, but if you read verse 22 and it says, submit your husband, if that offends you, let me say this. It means that you're not submitted to God fully. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I had to say it. And, and husbands, if you read that and you're like, I'm not going to do that. That's too hard. You're not submitted to God fully either. Because we don't, we don't get to choose. But as we submit to God... We both get a revelation of how much God loves us and how much Christ gave himself for the church. So as the wife respects and submits to the husband's authority in the home, the husband says, okay, this love that I've received, I've got to now walk out. Now I've got to, you see, the husband will never learn to lay his life down unless he has a relationship with the God who laid his life down. And so that influence comes from great, it comes from the spirit of God and he teaches the man. And let me say something as men, let me tell you what this requires. If we're gonna love our wives as Christ loved the church, we've got to die to ourselves. The real men are not necessarily the ones who are on GQ magazine. The realest man this world has ever seen hung and bled on a cross. The greatest godly attribute I think you can see in a man is sacrificial love. Jesus said, there's no love greater than this than a man who would lay down his life for his friend. Paul says, lay down your life for your wife. And I close with this point. Ultimately, and this is what we've got to recapture. 
turning to everyone and say, you got to catch this part. And we have to always keep this in mind. Marriage is bigger than us. On the earth, we are modeling Christ's love for his church. Marriage is even a prophetic picture of what's to come. Amen. Marriage is sacred. It is holy. It is to be treasured. Listen to this. And valued above all other relationships in our lives. Can I say something? We have got to stop putting our children before our spouses. Listen, we love our children. We'll give our lives for our children. But children don't come first. Your spouse does. And you know what? As they're, as they're being raised, let them see that. Mama comes first. I love you. I'll do anything for you. But mama comes first. Daddy comes first. You know why? Because one day those kids will grow up. They'll go off to college. And they're going to get married. And then guess what? It's just you. Your spouse is, is, is the person you are loved to love the most. The only person you are to love more is the Lord himself. But here's the wisdom in, in this before we pray. As it stands right now, pe- people get in marriages and they, they hop out. They, they jump sometimes at the, the sign of difficulty or uncertainty or challenges just say I'm not happy or this and listen I believe marriage is supposed to contribute to your happiness but listen try this first just try this before you even interject yourself say this okay I'm married here's what I'm going to do I'm going to obey this step by step the first thing I'm going to do is I'm going to submit to God okay I'm going to love my wife First and foremost, because he told me to. You know why that's important? Because your emotions are not always going to be there. You're going to wake up in a bad mood and she didn't put the cap on the toothpaste. You know what I mean? All those only married people know what I'm talking about. Like it's the little after after a certain number of years, it's the little things. What happens when you're not feeling the emotion? You love her because of your commitment to Christ first, right? And God gives you the grace because as God pours his love into your heart, he empowers you to love your wife. Then you make a conscious decision, number two, to listen, whether I feel like it or not, I'm going to love her sacrificially. I'm going to love him sacrificially. So do you see this picture? There's... In these first two steps, it really doesn't have to necessarily do with you first. You're putting God first and her first. Culture tells you put you first. The kingdom says put God first and put her first. Here's the wisdom. What ends up happening is this. In that process, God transforms your character. And what happens when in a marriage, you're both submitted to God and you're both focused on loving each other. Love starts to grow. True love starts to grow. Contentment. True happiness. See, you can't have true happiness if you're putting yourself first all the time. 
Hear me. Ultimate fulfillment and true happiness always comes from something that's bigger than you and outside of you. And it's counterintuitive to what culture teaches. But as you go lower and serve and give yourself, you will find that you have more joy, more contentment, more happiness. And all of a sudden, the fruits of the spirit are manifesting in your marriage. Are you with me this morning? Stand with me to your feet. We're out of time. Come on, did this help anybody this morning? I want our altar workers to please join us here. Would you just bow your heads with me? Every head bowed. If you're in this room today, we don't like to close any service without giving you the opportunity to surrender to the Lord. And so if you're in this room, Or if you're watching online and you want to receive him for the first time, please just slip up your hand. Or maybe you want to give your life to him, rededicate your life, just slip up your hand. I see you. Thank God. Praise God. I see you, my brother, my sister. Thank you. Online. Pray this prayer with me. Come on, Inspired Church. Pray this with me. Dear Lord, Father, thank you for loving me. I confess that I'm a sinner in need of a Savior. Forgive me of my sin. Wash me. Cleanse me. Be the Lord of my life. I commit to following you from this day forward. Fill me with your precious Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name. Come on, Inspire Church. Let's give them a hand clap. They're going to put this on the screen. If you, if you need help going through next steps, baptism, prayer, they're going to put this on the screen. And if you haven't signed up for the daily devotional, we're going to show you how to do that. But can I please pray for you before we leave? I want to ask something special today. All of you married couples, could you please join me in the altar? Because I want to pray a special prayer over your marriage this morning. If you're here as families, come together. Whenever we pray for revival in America, right? How many of you want to see revival in America? But I want you to think about this. It doesn't look like, ju- it doesn't only look like revival services. Revival services have to translate into revival in our homes. If we have good services, but our marriages and our children, you understand what I'm saying? It's meant to translate. So when I say Revival in America, I mean across the board. And one of the primary things God wants to do is heal and restore marriages.
Amen. And let me tell you something as a pastor. I want you to know my heart. Please, one of the assumptions we make, we just assume everyone's doing well. Can I, can I tell you something? Because as a pastor, I have conversations with so many people and I'm married myself. Marriage is, is difficult at times. Trust me. I know. But as a pastor, I talk to so many people. You, you, would, you would be shocked at how many people are suffering in their marriage right now. They may not tell you. They may put a brave face on. But people are facing some stuff. Amen. And so I want to pray for us this morning because whatever the root is, whatever the problem is, whatever it is, all I know is that God can fix it. If it's repentance that's needed, right? If there's healing that's needed, forgiveness. God can do it. I want you to lift your hands with me and just close your eyes with me. Dear Heavenly Father, I just, I thank you, Lord. For every precious person in this room, every precious person watching me, Father, right now I lift these marriages. We lift up these married couples, these families, the the families of Inspired Church before you, Lord. I lift them up to you. Father, I'm, I'm, I'm asking God, for those who are walking through trials in their marriages, God, who those who are walking through difficult situations, God. Father, I'm praying for grace to come, Lord. God, for help to come, Lord. With God, would you begin, listen, to soften hearts. Turn, begin to soften their hearts towards one another, God. For those in this room where there needs to be repentance within the marriage, God, let repentance come. God, where there needs to be healing, God, would you bring healing into the marriage, Father? God, where there needs to be forgiveness, that's a huge thing in marriage. Because love keeps no record of wrong. And a lot of times what happens is we have these we have these long lists and we have these scorecards. And God, some of us need to have forgiveness come to our marriages God there needs to be healing and restoration trust rebuilt commitment renewed respect given respect earned God for love to flourish so Father right now I'm praying in this season even not just because we're doing this series but God in this season I thank you God for what you're doing in families what you're doing in marriages God I, I, I father I believe that those in this room father who say I don't know how much more I can take I don't know if I can I don't know if I have what it takes I don't know if we can make it through this father I, I thank you God that in them they can make it in you I'm sorry, in you they can make it, in you they can overcome, in you they can fight. And listen, and I just sense that you may have to fight, but it's worth fighting for. It's worth standing for. And Father, I thank you for, Father, for the healthy and godly marriages that are being raised up and built in this church, Father. So that, God, not perfect marriages. I got to say that, not perfect marriages, but healthy and godly marriages, God. God, not just for their lives, but a model for generations, for our children. God, I, I thank you, God, that we're beginning to repair the breach in our culture, God. We're beginning to repair the gaps in the wall that have been caused in society, God, and we're taking authority. And God, you're restoring our homes. You're restoring our marriages so that the, the flourishment 
of generations, the the breaking of generational curses, and the outpouring of generational blessing can come, Lord. Father, would you strengthen them this morning? Give them grace. We love you, Jesus. We love you, Lord. Come on, let's give the Lord a hand clap.